0: The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomapepe on SAFM. Election deadline. Political parties will have four more hours to submit the names of their candidates intended to contest the local government polls. Initially, the deadline was Monday today, that is at 17 hours, but it has since been pushed back to 21 hours. So any time now, those party lists should be in threats of a national shutdown messages were doing the rounds on social media regarding a national shutdown the National Joint Operational and Intelligence Structure was on standby, but no unrests were experienced. We continue to talk about former President Jacob gileklegis Zuma. It's not clear whether he will be fit to stand trial for his corruption case. This as his military doctors failed to meet the 20th of August court deadline to hand over their report on his fitness to stand trial. And the situation in Mozambique is far from over. What does Rwanda's involvement, military troops, that is, mean... And what does this say about the nature of Islamists and insurgencies in Africa? To talk to us about that is Dr. Petros de Kock, political analyst and founder of Beitabur Solution. Petros, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Good evening and thanks for the invite.
0: There seems much to talk about and I will refrain from engaging the question of what's happening in East London, particularly around the brutal murder of Fort Hare student, Nosy Telo Tabeni because that is a conversation on its own in the new hour with the Forte vice chancellor but let Mm -hmm. us talk about some of the issues that I've highlighted early on for instance and I think this is a very important one the strength Mm -hmm. of our constitution the interpretation of our constitution and what specifically it might mean to hold or not to hold an election Mm -hmm. in the light of the climate what can you say as comments in relation
1: there to? Yes, indeed. I think that's definitely one of the big stories of the last few days, if one looks back uh, look back over the weekend. Friday, of course, the Constitutional Court sat. They heard the case uh, or the presentations by parties for and against, basically the submission of the IEC, uh, <clears throat> requesting the Constitutional Court to reflect on <clears throat> whether it will be constitutionally acceptable to postpone the election date. Now... I'm not going to make uh, comments on the legal, uh, necessarily sure. the, the the actual legalities of the case. So my comment will be more broadly political and social. Yes. Now, from a political risk point of view, because that's more my forte. You know, I'm more in the world of political, economic, market risk.
0: Gotcha.
1: I'm just going to make a comment saying that we are exposing our democracy to some major risk. The moment you start tampering with set constitutional frameworks, number one. Secondly with political and social expectation, you know, of executing for the IEC to be able, under whatever circumstance, to execute an election. I'm just going to ask a question. In the last week, Zambia held hotly contested national elections in the midst of a pandemic, and we actually see the change of the president happening. So that's quite a major development in Zambia in an election context. So I'm just putting the question out there. Why are we even considering cantering with the outlook of our democratic system i think that's something we need to think of very carefully because we can open ourselves now to other risks next year you know let's say we do postpone to next year then other forms of contestation can come to the fore where people can be disgruntled you know it was postponed for the wrong reasons that can become a whole different level of contestation so i'm just putting it out there very carefully there's some political risk we may face if we do go that route of postponing.
0: And trading very carefully probably (laughs) means then Mm. erring on the side of caution, and what that would translate to is in Mm. fact to hold the elections now rather than later. But whilst I agree with the sentiment that you have expressed, there's also a, a sentiment that simply says... We do not have a tight lid on COVID-19 as it is. We are in the middle of the third wave. There are still early days insofar as it relates to the vaccination rollout. And for some of the comments that were put forward to not just the Constitutional Court, but retired Deputy Chief Justice Dikang Moseneke was, there are inherent risks that the health aspects of running an election on the stipulated timeline simply will not advance South Africa's fight. In relation to covid 19 and I suppose this is precisely the question the court is being mm. invited ultimately to weigh up never mind the legal mm. aspects of it the competing interests of a democracy the competing interests of the core decisions that the executive has to make and the question is how should society respond in these invariably mm. difficult decisions one has to be made and because one is made one almost open close quote has to suffer a consequence thereof Mm. how do we as a society respond
1: maybe just a quick comment there you know there's also a very very practical issue you know look we are talking about the constitutional mandated period you know within which the election should take place but Mm. now the problem becomes if it exceeds that period how are our local governments funded number one number two Are the decisions being made by those bodies? Remember, basically it means that your council, the councils, all the councils of this whole country, how many hundreds are there? That means, do they still have a legal foundation to make decisions and implement plans? So that is what the Minister of uh, Cooperative Governance, for example, and I think that governance question is a critical question. So you're 100% correct, you know, that I'm not fixed either or. I'm just saying there are risks to postponing an election quickly. However, when you look at the purely administrative dimension of the functioning of that level of the state, it raises a tremendous amount of questions, you know, in terms of how then do you continue to deliver on your budget vote. What is your budget vote thing? You know, what is your standing of your council in terms of delivering against the budget uh, in terms of services? So I think they are just at that governance level, there's also a risk that needs to be considered. So it's just something extra there. Okay, well, let's
0: leave it. Well, let's not leave it. Let's Mm. open it up rather to the listeners at home who might want to participate because this is probably as close to the battle lines of the discussions they might get, given the fact that not everybody has opportunity to make representations before the Mm. constitutional court and to a public forum as SAFM Radio is. So here's the invitation, dear friends and colleagues of ours on SAFM. Johannesburg, 714-2006. Let's have a conversation with Dr. Petrus Dukok, political analyst and founder of Beta Solution, talking now about election deadline. Of course, we're going to talk about the national shutdown, and particularly for my perspective, whether or not national security and crime intelligence and that particular cluster that is charged with ensuring that such things don't happen or pick up any sort of momentum such that we can have a conversation on national radio as something being a reality. Of course, we would consider Mm. it a reality given what happened last month in KZN and parts of Gauteng. But let's now talk about that as we evolve the conversation. And, of course, I welcome comments on the elections. This national shutdown, this seeming unrest in South Africa, I make the example that whenever a storm happens, Mm. it's not because the storm just happened. The sun disappears, the wind picks up, there's a bit of dust and then the sky's gray before they turn that dark color that simply tells you it's going to come down in buckets before it Mm. actually happens. All the signs are there. Would what we are seeing now in South Africa, in any respect as you are concerned, constitute those early signs of greater civil unrest on a national level that might even threaten the very democracy we enjoy? You know,
1: um, I'm going to take a slightly different approach. You know, and listeners are welcome to go to my website, www.bitagool.co.za. In the recent times, I've been reflecting on this, and there's some articles I've been doing on this. You know what we are facing as a country? The one thing that July showed us is that we are facing a period of what's called asymmetric risk or asymmetric conflict. What happened in case There was a mo- mobilization around Kandla, former President Zuma. We know that story and then attacks on trucks on the N3, it escalated for a week of looting and a whole lot of action. Importantly, at the same time, there was also a cyber attack on Portland, which brought basically the port action to a standstill. Now, on my website, I a piece where I argue, what we are facing as a country, we are must be prepared with, to face as citizens, as businesses, as organizations, what's called asymmetric conflict. Now, to your point that you make, In the last few days, we see this word come out, there's going to be a national shutdown. It's still connected to the story of possible insurrection. There's uncertainty. Now, nothing happens on the day. That doesn't mean that nothing happens. The fact that the country was on a nice edge, I was moving between Pretoria and Johannesburg today, a tremendous amount of action on the roads of police. Uh, unmarked security vehicles that you can see moving on the highway if you have a trained eye you can spot those kind of things so here's what I'm trying to say Uh. if anybody has an intention to destabilize the country they today succeeded in that objective because they created uncertainty okay let me give you a bigger example if you go into the history of terrorism let's go back into the 1950s 60s 70s Cold War era the tactics of a terrorist organization why do you plant a bomb Why do you attack a certain facility? It's not just to create physical damage, it's also to create uncertainty. And when you create uncertainty, you create fear. Now, I think that in the 21st century is a major tool of warfare, and we must become accustomed to that. So let's get to the South African context now. What are we facing as a country? In some of the pieces that I've been doing, I've been arguing that, What we saw in July was very unpredictable at a certain level because we were predicting an action by disaffected political forces that we knew. However, we didn't know what they're going to strike. Here you strike um, warehouses, shopping malls, pharmacies, factories. You strike at the soft belly of the economy. Now, that's, if it was planned that way, that's a masterful asymmetric attack on the South African economy. So if anybody is interested in risk and understanding risk in South Africa, you need to understand asymmetry. You need to understand how in this era of a digital economy, of a fragmented society mm-hmm. and a political system that's being challenged, we are facing some very new um, challenges, I think, as individuals just to understand what's happening in our reality. So those are some of the thoughts you know, that I've been dealing yeah. with. Uh, let let me questions. digress before well. I forget
0: the point there, Petrus. How is capital then responding to that? How are mm. your mm. persons who <laughs> sit there and make projections as to how markets mm-hmm. yes. are going to happen when they look at the systemic and non-systemic issues of given societies, mm. societies mm. being global or very municipal mm. in kind, Is money responding or the structures around money responding to consider what you have said in the light of the times in which we are living more than in the light of South African times?
1: You could be sure, and you could be sure that money has been preparing itself. Now, let's look at the capital markets. Let's look at just the JSE. If you look at the number of companies listed on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, it's been dwindling in the last decade. If you look at outflow of capital, post the global financial crisis out of the South African economy, and in particularly post-2010, it's a decided downward slope. Now, what we're seeing now is just accelerating that. Now, I'm going to give you another example. Before, in the months before the big uprising that started in cases in that we're discussing now, riches Bay Minerals, owned by Rio Tinto, declared force majeure outside riches Bay because of criminal gang Fug activity that has basically sabotaged the operations. Now, that's just before the big incident. Now, why am I raising that? Mm. I'm raising that the incident of the real Tinto before the declaring force Bajour already had a devastating impact on the perception of South Africa as a mining destination. <laughs> now you go through a period where, and I'm sorry to pull call, call a spade a yeah, but you had a a potential insurrection against the state launched from inside the ruling party. Now, that raises even more red flags. You understand what I mean? Yes, sir. So, if you look at that kind of picture, then, you know, it's it's not doom and gloom. I'm just think, I just think we need to be brutally realistic about these kind of conditions that we face because the more you see of that, the better you can deal with it. And I think, as a society, we are being tested. Back to the case of Friday that was presented on the IEC on postponement of local government elections. Just going back to that, they're now in this period where we already have a challenged system. Now we're taking a further risky step of potentially postponing an election. You know what I mean? You know, so you're stretching a system that's already being tested to another level now. And I don't know if that is the clever thing to do at this point in time. Let's anyway, find out if the listeners
0: talk. know. Let's find out if the listeners know. Dr. Petras de Kok, political analyst and founder of Beta Bird's Solution, engaging us on the hashtag WeCanRap. So far, two stories have been discussed. In my view, these are two very gripping stories. We might not have enough time to go on stories three and four. Election deadline to postpone or not to postpone now that we have had the benefit of every party that matters anyway before the constitutional court in as much as we have some view from an independent body being the Mossenegger Commission of Inquiry. What then do you as a South African on present facts Make as to whether or not South Africa should postpone the election, bearing in mind October 22 or October 27 is the appointed hour. On present facts, it may not happen, of course. But the question that now prevails is: What are your thoughts on that? Because this is much a national issue as it is a Sengesha is issue, a Petrus issue, a Madwaka issue. In good evening. You have 90 seconds. Please be on standby. Brafini, Madwaka, good evening.
2: I'm telling you to you from East London board.
0: Where? am on Buffalo City. Thank you so much. Yes. Go for Very it. Very
2: briefly, I think um, on this issue, the, um, the courts will have to be responsive because the reality is that there has not been an, a registration process. Remember, it was it was postponed and there was no campaigning. On the campaigning, I think there's no party that was prejudiced. Because the, the restriction has been applied almost universally, so yes. And I think, while well, well, once it's going to create a new situation, but at least it 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 would mean that the, the court would have been responsive. And if the court are unable to 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 give the postponement, I think the I mean the assembly will have to be reconvened, and the necessary political decision will have to be taken by the necessary body, that is Parliament. To alter the constitution in response to the prevailing situation. That's my thought. I don't think there's any crisis we are faced with a, 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 a precarious situation, as as that none of us have faced before. That those those are my thoughts in the in the, in the discussion.
0: Much appreciated. Thank you very much, there, Maduka, calling us from East London, Buffalo City. Let's go to Mukupan. Selo. Selo, good evening. It's been a while, man.
3: Ninety seconds. <laughs> thank you for taking you okay uh look let, let me talk about this this yeah 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 the cricket song ago. um and the racist remark that we we, we had it is it, it it is not surprising the former uh, um, uh, uh, uh president of metro fm robert marawa he was talking about this kind of racism in the cricket, in our country. And then nothing was done about it. So I agree with you that no matter how people want to spin it, racism is racism. And for the fact that politics, it's going to be in there. And the, those who have the means of money are holding this um, cricket cricket. Uh, or are uh, sharing it to the forefront? We are going nowhere, somewhere. the Racism is going to stick with, with us. I, 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 and I suggest that if it is possible, we have to acknowledge that this racism is not going to go anytime soon, matter Because people don't, um, they don't want to learn. They don't want to grow up. They don't want to uh, associate that with black people. Imagine someone saying, "No, I'm a racist, but I slept with." I was staying with Silo somewhere where we.
0: Let's move on. Let's go to Dandi Mapolooba. Good evening, Babungo.
3: Yes,
4: sir. Oh, I'm in Dandi. You're speaking to Andila. Yes. Yes. Although I'm. uh, It is my first uh, time to call today.
0: Much appreciated. Thank you very much for that. You've got 90 seconds. Please go for it. Yes.
4: Uh. I think I must be short and concise uh, on my issue. Mm, I think I will talk in connection with uh, elections, isn't it? Hello.
0: My follow-up. I'm listening.
4: Yes. Um. I think uh, I IUC must uh, put uh, uh, elections to. To, to the residents because what I'm fear my fear is hello
0: Andy Le, we are listening I'm not gonna interrupt you I'm just gonna stop you at
4: 90 seconds yes in the novel I my election song to almost is in five years with a move out
0: Thank you very much, Andile. Andile was simply saying there that the election should go ahead. There's no reason why we should be living under the cloud of the apprehension as to whether or not the election is going to happen or not going to happen. And in the instance, and I'm, of course, just developing his points further, he didn't necessarily say what I'm about to say. If it should happen that the election is postponed, we still are none the wiser as to whether or not what we fear now we will not fear only worse in Feb of next year. 2034 is the time last caller. Mike in Durban. Mike? Mike in Durban, final call?
4: Good be- evening, b- Professor and the listeners. Mike from Durban Beachfront. Professor, I've been involved with elections since 1969. I do not think this election should be cancelled. It must go ahead in November. And I, I'll I'll give you the reasons why. The ANC have made an excuse using COVID and the virus, right? Why is the Quadrant in the tell government wanting to hold at, uh, an Africa uh, uh, meeting at the, at the ICC uh, for about seven days, about 10,000 delegates, you know, how much virus is in one building, yeah? This is the post calling
0: the kettle black. Let's move on. I just want to make sure that you, we both understand that Mike has been involved in politics or in elections since 1969, but democratic elections at least from 1994 onwards. So whatever it is that his views are on elections, they don't contemplate anything pre-94 because those were not democratic elections, as we all do know. You want to wrap up the conversation then, Petrus, in relation Mm. to some of what the callers might have had to say? I do confirm very briefly that this is not the best caller turnout we have had
1: for sure. No problem, no problem. Um, You know, one thing that jumped out to me, I think the first caller, he made a comment on we've never faced this before, and I fully agree with what he said. As I said, you know, I've got no fixed view pro against, you know, postponing, I'm just saying there are some risks uh, to that, but on the point of we've never faced this before, We are a young, maturing democracy. We've always said that it's a quarter of a century of a democratic dispensation. And we will, as a society, continually be confronted with situations or manifestations of certain things that we've never been there. And honestly, I think the South Africans, there's one thing I want to say, you know, and I, I sometimes make this joke. I say I was in apartheid last class. I was in the tricky 1989, 1990. I go to university and suddenly the world starts changing. Now, the reason I say that, anybody who was alive in that decade of the 1990s in South Africa would know the extent to which we had to stretch ourselves as individuals, organizations, political parties to bring our minds into this new dispensation. Now, I think we can still do that. That capability is still there. We must just be very careful not to fall into the trap of uh, extremist thinking, especially in this period. The world over, we see the rise of extremist thinking, and you know why? It's because of economic hardship, crisis, and political fragmentation. So as a society, we've got to wake up, and we must say, there are certainly unique problems to South Africa, but we are also being confronted by a dynamic in the world that we are fighting against massive forces that are pulling societies apart. It's a result of global lockdowns, a destruction of supply chains, and a complete rethink of what's the future of our society. I think another thing that jumped out to me from one of the, uh, the callers, I think, is on the issue of, uh, of racism, for example. In this week, uh, I think uh, Rylan Fisher, the uh, figure in the media, he had a piece out on 50 years or 40 years, I think, of the UDS. really interesting. Looking at the 1980s, uh, what was the thinking around principled non-racialism, for example? We still need to be having those discussions in this country because we've not long talked over that. And I'm going to make a personal observation. final I comment. I really do this. Really, really, I do this. You know, my name is Baitabu, right but you know I'm married to a traditional healer, a sangoma, a Zulu-trained sangoma. And, you know, in our personal lives as a couple, we have experienced the best and the worst of the South African mindset on race and race relations. And I'm saying, as people, as individuals in our home, in our streets, in our communities, we constantly need to fight the monster of discrimination on skin colour, what you wear, what car you drive, we need to forget about that nonsense because that is actually what's killing our future.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself, and I certainly do appreciate your comment, particularly the personal one. There's always a risk that it could go south, but I think that one went north pretty quickly. Thank you so much, Dr. Petros Tukok, political analyst and founder of Beta Buur's Solution. 2038, folks.